At the center of Paul's message in the books that he wrote is the gospel. In fact, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is the center of God's message to humanity. It's only in Christ, who is both God and man, that you find forgiveness and eternal salvation. One of the many places where Paul makes this clear is in Romans 1. That's where we turn today. This is The Wisdom Journey, and Stephen's lesson is called Introducing the Gospel. Today on our Wisdom Journey, I want you to imagine camping out by uh, some beautiful stream. It's running through a wooded valley, and you've hiked to this beautiful location. In the morning, you get up and you, you wash your face in that clear, sparkling water, and, and, and you cup some of it in your hand and you drink it as well, only to become violently ill an hour or so later. Why? Well, because further upstream, a man has poured toxic waste into that stream. Now, all the water that flows down that mountain looks good. It appears Uh, crystal clear and clean, but there are invisible toxins that have poisoned that water. Well, this is an illustration of Adam, the first created man. He stands, as it were, at the fountainhead of humanity, and his sin has polluted the stream of mankind. And you might say, you know, that, that that isn't fair. I didn't, I didn't eat that fruit there in the Garden of Eden. Well, you didn't eat that forbidden fruit, but you certainly committed forbidden sin. We've all proved that we're just like Adam, that we did indeed inherit the polluted water, so to speak, of Adam's sin nature. So the question is, is there a solution? Is is there a remedy? Is there a cure? Well, back there in the garden, after Adam and Eve sinned, God gave the first gospel promise. There in Genesis 3.15, God promised that a redeemer would eventually arrive to crush the head of the serpent that tempted mankind to sin. Now, this ultimately points to the defeat of Satan at the cross of Christ. See, that's the difference between this gospel here in the Bible and the religious gospels of the world. This gospel tells you what God has done for you. Religion tells you what you have to do for God. Rituals, self-improvement, pilgrimages, penance. You are told by religion that if you're diligent, if you're sincere, maybe you'll get into heaven. Well, let me tell you, maybe isn't good news to me at all. By the way, the word gospel in the Bible is from the Greek word euangelion, and it means good news. Yes, there is sin. Yes, there is guilt and shame. Yes, there's death. But there is also good news. We have all drunk from the polluted stream of Adam's race, but there's another Adam, a second Adam, as Paul calls Jesus. And Jesus began a new race of forgiven men and women, boys and girls. Well, as Paul begins his letter to the Roman church here, he gives us a descriptive outline of this 
this good news. We're picking back up here in our journey now at verse 2 of chapter 1, and we're right in the middle of this sentence. By the way, let me warn you that Paul can write some really long sentences. In fact, the first seven verses of Romans chapter 1 make up just one sentence. Well, Paul begins to describe here in verse 2, the gospel of God, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. This tells us that the gospel is sourced in God. In other words, it's the gospel of God. And Paul makes the point that this has been around a a rather long time. It's been promised, he writes, beforehand by the Old Testament prophets who predicted the coming of the Messiah. Now, this gospel might be new to you, but it's an old gospel. It's been around since the beginning of time, and and Paul will prove this by quoting repeatedly from the Old Testament throughout his letter. One writer happened to count Paul's quotations from the Old Testament here in the book of Romans. Well, he quotes five times from Genesis, four times from Exodus, two times from Leviticus, five times from Deuteronomy, uh, First Kings, there are two quotes, Psalms, 15 quotes, Proverbs, uh, two quotes, Isaiah, 19 quotes, Ezekiel, one time, Hosea, two times, Joel, one time, Nahum, one time, Habakkuk, one time, and Malachi, one time. All these Old Testament writers are called by Paul to prove they were looking ahead to the Messiah. And Paul, now, along with you and me today, well, we look back at the Messiah who came. He died for our sins. So Paul writes again here in verse 3 that this gospel is concerning his son, God's son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So what is the gospel all about? Well, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about his work for you and me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul describes this in verse 3, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, as we look back here at at verse 3 in Romans chapter 1, Paul tells us two, two truths about Jesus. And these are critical, that Jesus is both human and divine. So when Paul writes here that that Jesus is the Son of God, he's affirming the deity of Jesus. And this truth, by the way, is essential to the gospel message. For only an unblemished lamb, only a perfect, divine Son of God could die as our substitute for our sin. In fact, it also makes the virgin birth of Jesus absolutely essential. Had Jesus been born from the union of a man and a woman, well, he would have just been another human. He would have had Adam's polluted sin nature. That would have poisoned him just like it did you and me. That's why Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 prophesied, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. So, Jesus is born from that miraculous conception in a virgin by the overshadowing presence of the Holy Spirit so that he is fully God and fully human. He has a divine nature and a human nature, but not a sinful nature. 
So Paul writes here that Jesus descended from David according to the flesh. Now, that's also important because the Old Testament had prophesied that the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. He's going to come from the tribe, the royal tribe of Judah. And that's another key point. The true Messiah must be in the royal line of David. As David's descendant, he would be legally the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. This is why the Gospel of Matthew began with the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and it traced Jesus' family tree all the way back to King David. So that little baby born to Mary in the village of Bethlehem is nothing less than the miraculously conceived Messiah, the eternal God, and also the human heir to the throne of David, which he will one day reign in his future kingdom there in Jerusalem. So he qualifies, beloved, to be your savior and your king. This isn't religion. This is a relationship with the Messiah, the Son of God who loves you and died to save you. And let me tell you, no matter where you go in the world today, people have that inner sense of emptiness and guilt. There's got to be some ritual, some cleansing, some penance, some, some way to find forgiveness. There's got to be somebody out there who can help. Well, here's the good news. Somebody can and will See, Jesus offers salvation and forgiveness to everyone who trusts in him. He offers what no religion, no philosophy, no human effort can give. And that's why his gospel is good news. I remember several years ago traveling to preach in India, the land of Hindus. They're bound to the teaching of the Bhagavad Gita and other writings that they consider a sacred. And let me tell you, this religion offers absolutely no hope, no forgiveness of sin at all. I'll never forget one morning I was out there by the Ganges River, and I watched a priest washing himself in that absolutely filthy, polluted water, trash just floating on the surface, and he believed that that water would help wash away his sin. I visited a Hindu temple and noticed a plaque on the wall that said that if you want to cross the painful ocean of life, which is full of the crocodiles of anger, greed, and lust, you needed to catch hold of the Bhagavad Gita and the disciplines of action, devotion, and wisdom as its oars, and it will take you to the land of liberation." I wrote that down so I wouldn't forget it. In other words, you're going to have to row your boat with all diligence and devotion if you ever hope to make it into heaven. See, it's all up to you. Well, let me tell you, that isn't good news. The gospel of Christ is is simply placing your trust in the work of Christ. He did all the work for you. He died for you. He rose from the dead for you. He offers you forgiveness and spiritual rest. And I hope you've come to accept him as your Messiah. And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Let me invite you to do that right now. Well, until our next wisdom journey together, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called today's lesson, Introducing the Gospel. I'm glad you were with us. If you need help understanding the gospel, or if you have a friend or loved one that you'd like to talk to, we have a resource to help. Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash gospel. That's wisdomonline.org forward slash gospel. You'll also find that resource on the home screen of the Wisdom International app. That resource will help you understand and talk about the offer of salvation that God makes to all of us. Access that today. Then join us next time to continue your wisdom journey.